0: As a young toddler, Scarlett was in and out of foster care due to tons of CPS complaints. And finally, at the age of six years old, Scarlett's parents basically could no longer take care of her. They couldn't stay out of jail. They couldn't stay out of trouble. And she became a ward of the state of Indiana. At this point in her life, she had no idea what the word abandonment would mean. She had no idea how the word abandonment and the concept of abandonment would take over her life. In the orphanage that she was a part of, she saw literally over 1,000 people adopted before her. She lived in 36 different places with no real parents to lean on. She grew up with a fear that she would never have a family, a true family that loved her and cared for her. She felt like she was always going to be alone. And she felt like she was going to be abandoned her whole life. Why do we get so inspired by orphan stories, by foster care stories? I know that it inspires me and how powerful it is. But I don't know if you guys realize how much we are filled with these stories. Let me give you an example of some of the stories that we've heard for years in our lives. Annie, little orphan Annie. Oliver Twist and Heidi. Stories that we've known, timeless stories that have transformed our society. But let me go another step further. Let's look at our superheroes. Have you seen all of our superhero stories and how they become superheroes? Batman, Superman, Spider-Man, and there's a new one, Shazam. Anybody seen that yet? Really? Once again, they all have parental issues, and they struggle with that. We are enamored with these stories. But let me go a little bit further into the Disney side. Peter Pan, Snow White, Tarzan, and the world-famous Cinderella, right? They struggle with parents and their feelings of abandonment. No one there to love them. But the last one has probably spent $20 billion of U.S. dollars that we've watched in the movie theater. And it's Harry Potter, Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, and this one's for Jeremy, Frodo Baggins. If you look at all those movies put together, we as Americans and as humans understand the concept of abandonment. For whatever reason, there's something deep within us that we love as Americans, this underdog story. But truthfully, there's something even deeper in us that kind of says, I relate to them even if you were raised with a a, a normal family, whatever that is. My family's sure not normal. But we relate. I don't know if you've ever had this thought, I know that I have, that something's missing. There's something inside me that's missing. It's not quite there. I don't know why it's not there, but there's something inside me that's missing, and we have this abandonment issue, even if we weren't really abandoned as children or in a certain part of our life because of trauma. If you go back to mythology, you'll see stories that are very similar with orphans and children that are abandoned. We look at our movie theory, our movie. I challenge you to look up Google like I did last night and put orphan stories. There's hundreds of them. The Jungle Book. There's all kinds of stories that you love and you don't realize until you kind of hear it from today that these stories are part of our identity as human beings. Psychologists to say have said that we eternalize these stories and they become part of our society. But I think there's something different. And, and we're going to use C.S. Lewis to help us understand this. These stories tap into this innate feeling that we as Christians or we as humans aren't bought into this world. We don't belong to this world. We're foreigners in this world. Here's what C.S. Lewis writes. He says... If I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I am made for another world. The truth is I'm not made for this world. I was built by another creator. I was not made for this world. I was made for something else, something greater. And in that, there's this orphan spirit that I have no matter what type of parenting I had in my life. Today that brings me to my succulent. Today's called the succulent sermon. My family can only handle succulents. This actually came from our fireplace here. And the reason why our family loves succulents, because they're really resilient. They can adapt to whatever their environment they are. This one hasn't seen light in about six or eight weeks, and it doesn't have any water. The truth is, it's just a piece of uh, succulent. It's not really a plant at all. And I just pulled it right out of the fireplace. And the truth is, I brought this out because this is what an orphan, if you, if you know anybody that's been in foster care, which I do, and uh, have been through the situation, an orphan feels like they can run off the less or the minimal amounts, just like a succulent. It ab- adapts to living a less than life. And that's what we call in Christianity, an orphan spirit. And God wants to transform that. Now, I found a list and I don't want to do too much of this because I want to get to the end of the message and I don't want to waste the time, but there's these signs of of fear of abandonment. And I would say, even if you don't, have that type of relationship with your parents. A lot of us struggle with the fear of abandonment. If you look through some of them, you can Google them in signs of fear. That's where I found it in psychology today. Here's a couple of them. you're quick to attach to an unavailable partners or relationships. You're you're able to attach and want to do it quickly, even if they're unavailable. You aim to please. Women have found researchers are increased to willingness of children, close your ears. Sex, unwanted sexual things, you do that because you're an abandoned. Let's go to the next slide. You have feeling you're often hard to please and nitpicky. Well, that's all of us. Emotional intimacy is difficult from you. And then at the very end, at the bottom it says you tend to overthink things, work hard to figure out the hidden message and everything. And here's the last slide. And these are just the signs of what it looks like when we feel abandoned and what we would call in Christianity this orphan spirit. You're hypersensitive to criticism, yep. You have repressed anger and control issues, yep, and self-blame is common. These are things that we struggle with, and today we're gonna break free of that mindset. We're gonna talk about this spiritual adoption principle that we see in the Bible. We, are, we need to realize that we are adopted in Christ. We were made for another world. Our purpose is not for this world, but our purpose is for the kingdom of God, and we were made by God for God and in his image, and this world might seem foreign unless we understand this adoption principle, this spiritual adoption. And so right now, we're going through this series called The End and the Beginning. We're going to end someone's orphan spirit mindset and preach to the a spiritual adoption in Jesus Christ and how it transforms us, how it builds our identity. Sorry, succulent. And how it makes us whole. Here's what God says from the end to the beginning. It says... Uh, I declare from the end, the beginning from ancient times of what is still to come, my purpose will be established, and I will accomplish my good pleasures. If you look at that back half of the message you 're going to see it in our scripture in ephesians today that god 's purpose and, and good pleasures are are really the focus of his adopted spirit that we have, and when you and I are fully vested in this adoptive spirit, God does great and amazing works in our life now. We've talked a little bit about abandonment. We don't need to dig into it because it's a hard place, and many of us understand it or know someone that's gone through it. But I want to talk a little bit about adoption. I don't know if you guys know this. Um, We really didn't make it a big issue, but about a year ago, almost a year ago to this date, me and my wife were basically a day away from adopting someone that God told us that we should probably invite to our family. And the only reason why... Uh, The person didn't come as they chose to be with a family member instead of somebody that was outside of the family. And uh, we went through the whole process, all the paperwork, background check. One of us didn't pass our background check. You guys want to pray for my wife right now? (laughs) Just kidding. She actually, she was not the one, by the way, Uh, but they were graceful. But here's the thing. When we think about this, this person that's being uplifted from their life and into this new life, we understand that. We understand Anne and we understand all of our twists. We understand the story of that child because it's heartbreaking and we want the best for that. Society rallies around children, right? We want the children and we understand the children, but they're going through a lot. And it's heartbreaking, and we tap into that. But for me, I've been on the parent side of it. Last year with us and our family and asking our daughters, should we do this? And beyond that, some of the families in our church, we have a bunch of families that have adopted and fostered. And it's amazing, and it's powerful. But I I know some of the pain that parents have gone through. You know, when you go through adoption, how do you get to that point of adoption? Some families can't have kids. They're physically not capable and so they've gone through that process or they've lost a few kids through miscarriage. You know how painful that is? And they have to go through adoption to kind of feel that need of that, that, uh, that yearning that's deep within their heart. But as you have this kid, then you're wondering, are they going to accept you? Are they going to accept your love? Are they going to love you back in the way that you're going to love? And my biggest fear was... If we adopted someone, would that kid leave at 18 going, i got to find a better parent because you didn't really fulfill my my hope? Adoption is hard. Today we're going to talk about spiritual adoption versus this earthly mindset of of, um, abandonment or what we call an orphan spirit which means we feel like we're an orphan and we're distant from God, even though we're not. So if you're able to stand, we're going to read from Ephesians, the Apostle Paul. It's chapter 1. We're going to skip the, um, the greeting in Ephesians chapter 1 and just go into verse 3, only because of time. And uh, we're going to see how spiritual adoption can transform our life and in that orphan spirit that's in, in, the, in our hearts and could be in this room. Here's what it says, verse 3. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing uh, in the heavenly realm because we are united in Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy without fault in his eyes. Now, I'm going to challenge you. I am only human, but if you ask the, the Holy Spirit to speak right now, He can start to fill your mind and soul and break the chains of something that you're struggling with and break that orphan spirit so that you can be whole and right and and blessed by God. So if that's you today and it's a struggle for you, if you feel a level of abandonment, even if you're surrounded with people, please pray right now and watch God work. So let me pray. Father, we love you and we lift up this text to you. We thank you for the word of God and we thank you for Ephesians. It teaches uh, believers and followers to dig deeper into our faith. And Lord, I pray that this message of spiritual adoption will transform us and make us whole and give us an identity and plant us to be mighty oaks of righteousness for your kingdom, Lord. We love you, King Jesus, and all God's people said, Amen. Go ahead and be seated. Verse 5 is really the cornerstone verse of this chapter about adoption, and here's what it says. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us uh, to himself through Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit later about this word advance, or in your text it could say predestined. I'm going to give you a very simple way to look at that. But here we see God decided long ago that all of you that call upon his name will be invited into their family and sat at the table and start to live and thrive in the kingdom of God. This is what he wanted to do, the verse says, and he gave, it gave him great pleasure. God's job is to make sure that he is pleased, not that you are pleased all the time. He is not Disneyland God. He's not a Disneyland dad. He's a father that's training and teaching and growing us so that we can receive the blessing and live out our inheritance and our life through the kingdom of God. That's who he is and that's what he wants from us. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out upon us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all his wisdom and understanding. This topic to me, God keeps telling me to say, we need to have a greater wisdom and understanding of the spiritual adoption. And in that, it will grow our faith. It will grow us in who we are. And through that process, we will become more righteous, more uh, kingdom-driven, and beyond that, a deeper Christian to share our faith with other people. Now, some in this room have done adoption, and it's costly. I don't know if you've ever adopted someone, but for whatever reason, it costs a lot. In my mind, I'm like, it should be free so that we save that tens of thousands of dollars to raise the kid. But it costs a lot. I have a friend that flew across the the world to get three kids, and it costs tens of thousands of dollars. Adoption costs. You know, in this world, we have common law. We have human morality. But in this world, there's also what we call a spiritual law or a spiritual reality. In the spirit realm, there's a cost in life for your soul and my soul, and there's a cost for adoption. In verse 7, it says that the cost was Jesus on the cross. It says, he, was, he purchased our freedom through the blood and forgave our sins. It's a cost, spiritual adoption cost. You need to realize that. Not just that Jesus died on the cross for my sins so that I can be free in Christ. He also did it so that he would purchase us, and that's part of the spiritual realm or the spiritual law. In these first few verses, we see five things about spiritual adoption I want to talk to you about so that it will grow into your soul and it will become more of who you are in your identity. The first one is adoption is a cause for praise. I love that. You know, I sit over on this side and I'm sorry for the people that are always in front of me. I sing so bad. Seriously, it's bad, and I was talking to someone first service, and she's like, but it's so godly filled, and I'm like, woo, it's something, but it's, I don't know about that, and, and you know, she was basically saying, yeah, it's bad, but it sounds like you have a heart in it, and it's true, and that's how I got my wife. I was singing really bad at my old church, and I, I, I hooked her, so it was good. It's a reason for praise. Have you, do you guys remember this song? Our God is an awesome God to praise on heaven and earth. You know why we sing that song? It's not just because he died upon the cross for my sin. He died and brought us into his family at his table to be sons and daughters of the most high. He is an awesome God and he is worthy to be praised. He's awesome and praiseworthy because he has brought you and I to the table. His mercy is displayed through adoption. His mercy is a blessing and worthy of our praises. Every Sunday and every Wednesday, I come before this church or the church I was at last week, and I praise God because I remember what I used to be like. And I woke up today in my own bed in a shower that I paid for, or probably my wife paid for it actually, and, and, and I, I worship and thank God for what he's done in my life. He's an awesome God, and he's brought me into the family, and I didn't deserve it, but he still did. He's worthy to be praised. Who in their right mind would give a rebel at the seat of their table? A sinner, a scoundrel, a scumbag, a loser, a drug addict, a, 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 a horrible man. Who would call him to the dinner table and say, come and sit and be part of my family. Let me clothe you. Let me love you. Let me bring you to this. And then here, here's my checkbook. Go spend whatever you want. Nobody would do that. That's reason to be praised. Number one, adoption is a cause for praise. Number two, adoption means that you lack nothing. I don't know if we feel like that. But we're supposed to feel like that. You know, I've been struggling the last couple weeks in my life for no big reason. But when I really boil it down and when I have friends, my wife and some other friends speak into my life, I have awesome kids. I've got an awesome life. I've got the best job in the world. It's hard, but it's powerful. I live in an amazing house. I am truly blessed. But in my head, the enemy wants me to lack something. In Christ, when I'm adopted in my identity of who he is, I lack nothing. I don't need anything. Even if you're not in my spot, God says you lack nothing. It says in verse 3, you have received every spiritual blessing from heaven above. You have so much more than little orphan Annie dancing in Daddy Warbuck's house. That little scene that we all cheer for, yay Annie, and millions and billions of dollars. You have so much more. You are in a family with other brothers and sisters in this room. And you have this heavenly father that you can call daddy or father. Do you know why we call our God father? It's because he has a son. He's a true father. Other gods can't say that. And they don't call other gods in this world father. Only our God. Because he birthed the son. And that son is a blessing. And that son brings us into adoption. We have no need in Christ. The enemy wants us to feel that we have need, but we have no need. Even if you're struggling in your checkbook or in your relationship, he will fill you up and give you what you need so that you can move beyond it. The third one is adoption is deliberate. God did not actually, accidentally or casually adopt you. He didn't pick you because you were the runt of the litter. You're the last one that uh, was on the block. No, no. Before foundation, before the world began, he put his sight upon you specifically. You. Specifically. He knew you. He wanted you. He knew what you were going to be. He knew your heart. And he says, I choose them. He wants you to know by his love that you are loved and will be loved now until the end of time. Now, let's talk a little bit about this advanced plan. My text in the NLT says advanced plan. Some might say predestination. Jeremy kind of taught me this a couple of years ago, and he used his wife, but I'm going to use my wife, so top that. (laughs) It's called the cookie concept. So here's the advanced plan. My wife said one day, Jeff, I want to make a cookie for everybody in Camarillo. A lot of cookies. And so I said, okay, let's make cookies. And so this is the advanced plan. This is what a predestination concept could look like. So Liz goes, okay. And I looked up on Google, and it said there's 67,845 people in Camarillo. We added a few because there's some extra crumb snatchers that will show up. Crumb snatchers will show up and and take some cookies. So let's just say we round up to 68,000 right? So she decides to go through this whole process, buy stuff, store stuff, makes it and prepares it for that one day when everybody in Camarillo comes to take a part of Liz's cookies in Camarillo. And in that cookie is the love that God would give you. Now, here's the thing. Everybody in Camarillo has the ability in this advanced plan to have a cookie the day that we put them out. If they choose not to have them, that's on their own self. That doesn't mean that they didn't have a cookie available. They chose not to take that cookie and chew it and make it part of their life. That's where the advanced plan comes in. God was the same way. He gave his love for everybody. And it's your job, it's our job to receive that love and take it and make it part of our daily life. That is the advanced plan. It's not deliberate. I mean, it is deliberate and it's planned. It's just that says not everyone is going to be saved. And that's sad to me, but that's the truth. The fourth one is adoption is through Christ. You know, uh, uh, my parents aren't here this service, but as I become a parent or as you become a parent or guardian of of a kid, you you have to call your parents and like, I am so sorry. I didn't know that kid was going to be just like me. And I've called. Why are you looking at me, Shelby? Yeah. Yeah. I call my parents and say, man, I'm sorry, because really, when I become a parent, I understand a little bit about God's love and how we are to him and how rebellious we are to him. And I got good kids. We were watching a movie the other night, and it was horrible. The kid was just devastated with drugs, and it was tough. And I was a horrible kid. My kids are awesome, and they still challenge us. And I understand that now with God, but adoption Adoption is different. Adoption gets to the heart of who God is. Think about that for a second. You're going to bring someone you don't know or barely know into your family, and you're going to give them everything that you would give any other kid, and you're going to bless them, and somehow, some way, they're going to be a part of your inheritance regardless. That's what adoption is, and it actually takes us into a deeper presence of who God is. Christ is the instrument of adoption. His work, planned by the Father, is applied by the Holy Spirit to make us, you and I, brothers and sisters of the Most High. Adoption is not culminated with the gavel from a judge, but with the cross. It's through the cross that our Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, points us to his Father. Once again, adoption is not by a gavel. It's by the cross. Here's the last one is adoption is the evidence of love. Now, last week I was in a church in Arrowhead and I saw this sticker and it says God love uh, it says love never fails and I was thinking about it and I'm like my love will fail but God's love never fails. And throughout the week I've seen that same sticker on two or three other cars and I'm like, "Okay, God, I get it. Your love never fails." And I need to tap into that love. Adoption is the evidence of God's love. Love is the only reason that we are given that God would adopt a group of rebels like you and me. People that are against God. Antichrist lifestyle people that he invites to the table and says, I'll have all of you, believer or non-believer, at my table, rebels. And I I will adopt you to become my own. Here's what Galatians says. It's Because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. A different word for God, our God, Abba, Father. This really personal adopted spirit that we are to have, and it walks us away, that orphan spirit that we struggle with. Paul writes also in Romans eight fifteen to 17, it says, So you did not receive a spirit that makes you... Uh, fearful slaves. Instead, you receive God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now, once again, we call him Abba, Father. Listen to this. For his spirit joins our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. When we understand this orphan spirit abandonment mentality and we dig into this adoptive spirit and we join forces with God, that orphan spirit is diminished and God's loving spirit comes into our life. And we become whole and complete, living in in a true identity of who we are in Jesus Christ. For since we are his children, we are heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of of God's glory. But if we share in his glory, we must also share in his suffering. To be adopted is part of God's big plan for you and I a plan that began before the cosmos and the heavens and the realms were were created. It's eternally unfolding as we speak to many in this room and to many that are going to come to know Jesus soon. Verse 9 says, God has now revealed his mysterious plan to us, his mysterious will regarding Christ. Sorry. Sorry which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan. Now, several times in the Bible, it says this is the plan. In my Bible, I've got it highlighted in circle because I'm like, well, what's the plan? And I I go to it, and and here's one of the plans of of God. Here's the plan in verse uh, 10. This is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven on earth, Furthermore, because we are united in Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance again and re- and makes us makes everything work out according to his plan. God has a plan and he makes it work out according to his plan, and ultimately when I take my little succulent life and I start to live it out for Jesus Christ and I plant my life in the middle of his life, I then have this spiritual adoption and I got I get to live in the inheritance of who he is verse 12 says God's purpose was that we Jews who were first the first to trust in Christ would bring the glory to God and now you Gentiles also have heard the truth the good news that God saves you and when you believe in Christ he identified you as your, as you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised you long ago when you believe in him he identifies you and he says I want to give you my spirit And that gives you identity in who God is. And then the last verse says, The Spirit is God's guarantee that He will give us an inheritance that He promised and that He has purchased us to be His own people. He did this so that we would praise and glorify Him. Long ago, God set this plan up. And the ultimate plan was for all of us to be adopted back into the rightful ownership of who He is. And it's done by the Holy Spirit through the Son so that you and I can be adopted and we can take our succulent life and plant it into something different so that you and I can be whole and right with God. It's falling apart. Thanks, honey. God is good. That didn't happen first service, by the way. You know, several years ago, me and Jeremy went to a a conference with a couple of people at church, Dave and Sharon. And there's this guy named Graham Cook, and it was a pretty crazy experience. We had a great time, and uh, we saw some amazing things. But this guy Graham Cook says, Christians have this inheritance verse. you got verses in the Bible that become your inheritance. You inherit something. It's like this word is for you, and it's part of your life, and you are to receive that. And if you really receive it and inherit it, it should spill out into other people's lives, right? It was really powerful, and I've got a couple of inheritance verses. One of them is Romans 8, uh, 31. It says, if God is for me, who on this earth can be against me? Another one is Matthew 7, 24 to 27. It says, plant your life into a rock so that when the storms come, you'll be able to withstand it. But if you plant in sand, it's going to wash away. That's an inheritance verse. One of the first ones I got when I was locked up. But the one that has been prophesied over me and given to me at least seven or eight times in different countries from different people that I don't know in different languages is Isaiah 61. And several, uh, this week I saw something happen in my life and my girls are on fire with the Lord. They're driving me to become a better man. My youngest, my, my middle and my oldest, they're on fire and it's putting a fire inside of me and Um, my youngest, uh, uh, my oldest daughter came up this week and she, she shared with us communion and she shared with us this verse and close your ears, but she got a tattoo while she was in college. When they go to college, anything can happen. And she had this tattoo and on this tattoo, it said Isaiah 61. And as a good Christian, I just scratched it off with a knife. (laughs) It's got a staph infection, but it should be okay. But as we were talking about this verse several months ago, Liz and me were talking, and she's like, yeah, we have been given this verse as a family, and it's transforming us. Isaiah 61 is an inheritance from God for me and my family. And and it all came to me the other day after Alyssa did communion and, and, and I saw God work. It's like she's living in the inheritance that God gave me. And now I have been blessed to live this out. And now she's having it. Now my youngest Shelby's having it. My wife is living it. My sister's a part of it. It's spilling over into everybody and anybody that's around us. Here's what Isaiah 61 is, and when we are planted in Jesus Christ, here's what it says, and we see it in Luke chapter 4 also, and it's an inheritance from God. And ultimately, it means if we believe in spiritual adoption in Jesus Christ, we become fully vested. Does anybody know what that means? When you are in a a job, they say, hey, join our our stock plan, and after a few years, three or five years, you are fully vested to, to share that stock. When you truly understand your adoption in Christ and you allow the Holy Spirit to reign in your life, you become fully vested in him and things start to spill over and transform right before your eyes because you're in the will of God and you have a new identity and his name is Jesus Christ. Here's what it says. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to those that are poor in spirit. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. The ministry of, of, of the gospel is to be there when people are broken. And it's just not me or Jeremy, Dustin, Odell, or Kim, or Liz, or my mom. It's everybody. To proclaim freedom from the captains and release from darkness for the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. When we believe in Jesus Christ, and I'm going to kind of paraphrase a little bit because of time, but when we believe in Jesus Christ, we receive this inheritance. Listen to what verse 3 says. He will provide for those who grieve in Zion, that's Israel, and he will bestow on them a crown. When we live in Christ, we will receive this crown instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise, instead of this spirit of despair, this orphan spirit that's holding us back and not allowing us to tap into Jesus Christ and his ministry through the Holy Spirit. And do of time, verse 4 and 5, talk about rebuilding, restoring, and reviving. When you bring someone into your house, when you take that... That that nephew or that child that you don't know, and you plant him into your house, he starts to be rebuilt, restored, and revitalized. And his life and her life is radically transformed and changed. And that's what we see in the adoptive spirit of Jesus Christ. Try not to lose my plant. Verse six says, You will be called a priest of the Lord and a minister of God. Do you know? that I am not the only minister in this room, Jeremy's not, my sister's not, Dustin's not, Odell's not. We all are. Every one of us, the Bible says, we are ministers of reconciliation. And if we do our job and we live out our identity as ministers, we then get this double portion blessing, and that's what we see in verse 7. Instead of shame, you will receive a double portion. Instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance, and you will inherit a double portion of land and everlasting joy. When you are planted correctly in the will of God, through the will of God, in my identity of who he is, I receive him and I get to live out my inheritance through him. Verse 8 says, for the Lord, for I, the Lord, loves justice. You know that we believe in a God who's into justice. This world, there's a lot of injustices. We see this young girl, Scarlet. What did she do? She just grew up. She had a lot of injustices. It says, "I am faithful, I will reward my people, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. This sonship covenant. Verse ten says, "I am overwhelmed with joy in my Lord and the Lord my God, for He has dressed me with the clothing of salvation, draped me in the robe of righteousness. I am like a bridegroom dressed for his wedding or a bride wearing her jewels when I am my Siculent, my succulent lifestyle and I plant in the Lord. He dresses me correctly. Salvation, righteousness. I am looked like I'm on the bridegroom. When you get married, you usually buy the best outfit. Women spend thousands on a dress and jewels to look their best. That's what they're saying when we receive this adoption and we walk away from this orphan spirit. The sovereign Lord, verse 11, and this is the last one, will show his justice to the nation of the world. Everyone will praise him. His righteousness will be like a garden in early spring with plants springing up everywhere. When I'm doing the right thing with my identity in Christ, I take my life and I'm planted in the righteous place. And it springs up like springtime in Camarillo with this super bloom all over our region. And God's glory stands up. And we are righteousness, oaks of righteousness. Verse 3, the most important verse says, they will be called oaks of righteousness, planting uh, the planting of the Lord for his display. An oak of righteousness when i am planted correctly i become this oak that transforms and take o- takes over my life and starts to take over other people's lives that was that's within my dis- vicinity at the age of 16 after being in multiple foster homes in the past year or two she finally met a couple this couple was looking for a baby or a toddler at most but they came across this girl, Scarlett, at the age of 16. They heard about her story, and they met her, and they fell in love with her and who she was. And they believed it was God's plan to bring Scarlett into their life. So they started the process of adoption. It took a year and a half. After 4,057 days in the foster care system in orphanages, Scarlet was adopted by Mike and Patty. She was 17 and a half when she got adopted. 11 and a half years she waited. At 18, they release you and you don't need to be adopted. But this girl, finally, her nightmare was over. She had a family, the abandonment was no longer. She finally had some parents to come home to and help her. Here's what the judge said as they were making this final agreement. They said to Mike and Patty, has anyone coerced you to take this girl? And they laughed and told the judge, no, we love this girl. We're doing it out of pure love. And he, and she said, the judge said this, from this day on, she is your daughter. She may disappoint you, even grieve you, but she is your daughter. Everything you own will one day be hers, and she will bear your name. And then the judge looked to the court reporter and said, change this girl's name to be Mike and and Patty's daughter and put her last name on her last name. Finally, Scarlett's prayers. 4,057 days of praying just to have a hope. Her adoption was over, and now she has received the blessing to rebuild and restore and revitalize her life. She is fully vested in this family and now thriving two years later. As I read this story, it reminds me of Christ and my relationship. No one coerced him to accept me, and no one has coerced him to accept you. He opened up his heart and freely opened up his life for your life, gave his son life for your life. And we then get to bear his name and and. Um, live in his image and our heart is changed and transformed and we gladly get to say I'm a child of the most high God and my identity is in Jesus Christ we get to receive his adoption we get to receive his spirit and the best part is we get to live out an inheritance that he has for us who likes inheritances yeah I like the big ones I don't like the ones that call me from uh, another country saying this inheritance if you pay 50,000 I'll get you 5 million. I don't like those. I like the ones where just money comes one way. You know, what would you do if you had an inheritance of like 100,000 or 5 million or 100 million dollars? How hard would you work for it? Most of us would probably work pretty hard even for 5 or 10,000. You know, we come to church, and our job is to come to church and live in our inheritance and get filled up and go back out into the world and spend that inheritance. And that's done by the Holy Spirit. That is my identity. Your adoption was not culminated like scarlet's with a gavel. Your adoption was by a cross. My buddy John Yorango sent me a video probably like eight years ago. And this video is from a guy named Eric Lundy, and it really speaks boldly to the next part. What do we do? What is the process of me being fully vested in Jesus Christ? What is the process? What does that look like? The first thing that happens is when I accept Jesus Christ, it says that I am saved in Jesus Christ. My chains are gone. Eric Lundy says, I'm free and I'm worshiping and I'm celebrating because my chains are gone. We sing that song, but when I really look up, I'm free, but I'm still in a prison cell. I'm still in a prison cell, but I have my hands and my feet and I can move around, but I'm really not living in the freedom of who Christ is. And so what I do is I look to Jesus because the Bible says that he is the key. He is the gatekeeper. Through him I walk through the door and I walk outside into the sunlight of the Spirit. And when I walk out into Christ as we walk out of here today, what am I to do? If I'm truly living in freedom and I've used Jesus as a gateway into this life of freedom, I'm not to fall to temptation or to what men and women or children want for my life. I am to draw near to Jesus Christ. I am to usher myself as close as I can, as fast as I can to the feet of Jesus every day for the rest of my life so that I can live in the inheritance of who he is in my life. The Bible says resist the devil and draw near to him. That's what freedom is. And then when I'm at his feet regularly worshiping God, I then look up and my father says, son, daughter, stand up. You're not a slave or a servant. You're part of my family. I'm going to put a ring on you. I'm going to clothe you. I'm going to bring you into my fold and I'm going to let you write out of my checkbook and start to spend your inheritance today. says you're mine you're a son and a daughter of the most high God your identity is in me your inheritance is through me and it's all done by the Holy Spirit and our church is begging you dig into your faith and let the Holy Spirit guide you in a way so that you can live out your experience in Christ, you can live out your identity and who you are, that you can take the things that we're struggling with and allow God to build you up through this spiritual adoption. That orphan spirit is gone. And that relationship with Christ is right here today. doesn't mean that You have to say the sinner's prayer to receive it. It means you need to clear your heart open and say, Lord, I don't want that orphan, disconnected, distant spirit of God in my life. I want to open up and receive your love and allow Christ to reign freely in my heart. He wants to take this succulent. Keeps falling apart. We need to get some water on this, honey. He wants you to plant this In the will of God, in the kingdom of God, so that God can be glorified and the kingdom will grow. You will then be called a, a mighty oak of righteousness. And the last thing that he would say is, as I send you out into this world, don't forget that as you go out, I'm going with you. And in me, you will always be victorious. You won't be sent out alone. You won't have to do it on your own. But in Jesus Christ, we sang that song, Tara sang. The victory is his. And if you allow him into your life, if you use this spiritual blessing and inheritance, he will then become victorious in all that you are trying to do in your life. It might not be the way that you see it, but it'll be the way that pleases him. Now... Would you guys do me a huge favor? Because I'm going to ask some people to raise your hand. Will everybody close your eyes and bow your head, even if you don't like the message? Because I want to ask a question today, and I don't want people to feel uncomfortable. If you're here today and you feel a distance, a disconnect, that orphan spirit with God today, if you're here and you're just not connected, but you want more of your relationship with God, will you just raise your hand? I see you. I see you. God wants to use this moment to fill you up. Will you make a place in your life? Will you open up your palms and receive all that he has? He wants to give you a double portion. Let's pray. Father, as we stand before you, you saw the hands go up. And you see the people's hearts opening up right now, asking for more of you and less of ourselves. Lord, use this moment, use this time to build in us an identity in Jesus Christ. Teach us how to live out our inheritance and use our identity of the Most High God to live as sons and daughters in this world. Use us to build the kingdom. Lord, fill us up today. And if you're distant and you don't know God and you want Him into your life and you want to be adopted into this amazing family, you can say a prayer of salvation and it goes like this. And all you have to do is repeat after me and you're invited in. Father, forgive me. Come into my heart. Come into my soul and be my Father God. You died and you rose again and you bought me so that I can be adopted into your family. I open up my heart to you right now, Lord. Bestow your Holy Spirit upon me and teach me how to walk all the days of my life with you. I love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.